many want to be in that number? Now, how many really want to be in that number? When the saints come marching in. What a beautiful old song. Love it. Love it. Well, you may be seated, and I want to welcome our visitors. I'm not going to call you out or make you stand up or point at you and have everybody clap, but I want want you to feel welcome. But more than that, I want you to feel the spirit and the power of God. This morning, as times passed, I've talked about how a song has, has given me an idea. And how the song, usually the song is either like a week before or two weeks before, and it's just one of those that can't get out of your head. This is not one of those. This is, this week I've been trying to, to come up with, you know, what should I talk about? Lord, what should I talk about? What should I talk about? And just blank. Like, well, maybe I could go back and do something. Or maybe I could, or maybe I could, but just blank. Yesterday during Men's Huddle, we were talking, and I'm not even sure what, what we were talking about. And the word name just stuck. And as I was driving home, I got this thought. And this is what I want to talk about. What's in a name? Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, Therefore God also highly exalted him and given him the name which, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those of earth and those of under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So what is in a name? Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for the mighty spirit that we have felt in this service. We thank you, Lord, Lord, for allowing us into your presence, for allowing us to feel you. Lord, I pray right now that your words would be spoken. Lord, that our ears would be open, that our minds would be ready, and our hearts prepared. Lord, that we may hear you, that we may understand what you're tr trying to say to us, and Lord, that it may be written on our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name. Now, how many know that names are important? Just think about this for a moment. You went to work, and nobody knew anybody's name. Let's take it a step further. You went to work, and nobody had a name. How would you communicate? Hey, you, over there. Names are important. They give us an identity. Names are very important to moms and dads. If it weren't so, then moms and dads wouldn't spend so much time trying to think of a baby's name. Every parent worth anything 
has either heard of, been given, or has bought the little book. And if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. It looks little, but it's really thick, fine print. And at least the one that we had was split in half, thereabouts. The first half was all girls' names. The second half was all boys' names. And every song just, no, 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 no. Hey, what about? Hey, Teresa, what about? No, no. You know how it is if you're a parent that, hey, what about? Well, that's the name of my aunt, and, and, and she wasn't very nice, and I don't want to call her that. Or, what about? Don't you remember? That was our neighbor's name. He was mean. I do not want to remember him. We've had those uh, uh, discussions. Names, to us, are important. We know that parents naming names, naming kids, it's usually first, the first name. What's, what's going to be the first name? What's going to be the first name? Sometimes we, we name them after family. Sometimes we name them after friends. Sometimes we just name them after a name that just kind of we like. Now, I know with Cody, if my memory serves correctly, and I will not guarantee that, if my memory serves me correctly, early we knew what his name was going to be. And if my memory serves me correctly, his second name, his middle name, we knew first. And the reason why is I wanted to carry my dad's middle name onto him. But the first name, we had a couple thoughts, but we decided fairly early, Cody. That, that just sounds, Cody, that sounds right. Michaela, on the other hand, not so much. Not so much. Oh, we could do Michaela. We could do Mackenzie. I think we had McKenna. We had um, something to go with Kate, uh, Cody, like Caden, or, you know, just, why do we? We were in the hospital, in the delivery room. Well, what about, and I would start writing it. Nah. We, get, we came down to the name, Michaela. Okay, how are we going to spell it? Uh, no. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. How about that? Well, what if, okay. Well, what about that? Okay, that's, okay, what about a middle name? Well, wait a second. <laughs> you know how it is. In between contractions, in between nurses' visits, we're trying to come up with what is going to be our daughter's identity. And I remember distinctly, this one I remember 100% is we wrote down Michaela Brianne. And I looked at it and I'm like, I don't know if I like the way that's spelt. And I rewrote it and showed Teresa and she's like, yep, that's it. That's our daughter's name. And that name gives her an identity. That's Michaela. Names are a very, very interesting phenomenon. Our last names 
are somehow, or often our last names, are somehow tied to and reveals a part of our heritage. If I said the name O'Donnell or Mackenzie, my first thought is must be some type of Irish descent. You know, that O apostrophe or that MC. It's, or you have Rodriguez, Torres. Well, that's first thing is Latin American descent. Oh, what about names like Smith, Shoemaker? Shoemaker kind of is self-explanatory. Somewhere in that family line, they made shoes. Smith, somewhere along that line, they were a smith of some type. Blacksmith, goldsmith. They did something with metal. Now, I have a name kind of like that too. Canarium. It's German. If you look it up, its literal meaning is leather knee strap. Somewhere in my ancestry, we had the occupation of leather work. Canarium. The name signifies not only the present, but the past. We then go to first names. Some, again, like mine, carry family names. I'm named after my uncle and after my grandfather. Other names are from friends, perhaps a hero, and quite a few biblical figures. And still others bear a name that simply liked, agreed upon, like Cody. It didn't go back to anybody that we knew, didn't go back to, to family, friends. It's just, we like that name. People, when you first hold a baby, it's, oh, what's the name? From the beginning, we associate an identity. What's the name? And usually it's, oh, yeah, that's a fitting name. Or, yeah, that's a good name. That's a beautiful name. And from there, our identity grows. One of my favorite stories about people's names is the story of a lawyer whose name was Odd. O-D-D. And throughout his life, people used to uh, call him as he was passing on the street, hey, that's the odd guy. Hey, he's an oddball. Didn't like it too well. Felt that the name plagued him. Consequently, when he left his last will and testament, he put specific instructions in the will which said that he would not have his name on his tombstone. He'd gone through life with this plague of a name that he thought, I don't want it to carry me on to death. So he had this inscription placed on his tombstone. Here lies an honest lawyer. Now, passerbys in the graveyard would go by and, hmm, an honest lawyer. Now that's odd. 
So very often when we call, call out names, we are saying something about the person being identified. In the Old Testament, this was the same. We know that names were given time and time again to children because of events, whether during the birth or that surrounded the birth. We go to Jacob. We know that Jacob was called um, Jacob because when he was born, he was holding on to his brother's heel. The name Jacob means to grasp the heel of, or heel catcher. Now, the the daughter-in-law of Eli, when she found out that the Ark of the Covenant had been taken, that Eli and her husband were dead, she was grieved. She was pregnant, giving birth. And the name of that baby? Ichabod. And the Bible says he was named this, saying, The glory has departed from Israel. Think about going through life with a name that points back to that event. Names have meaning. But there are those that, now we know in in our modern culture, Changing names isn't that big of a deal anymore. Pretty much any celebrity has changed a name or contemplated it. Your your movie stars from 50s and 60s, all of them, for the most part, don't go by their birth name. And it continues on today. But in the Bible, there are a couple instances in which God changed the person's name. The first that I'd like to talk about is Abram and Sarai. And you may think, Abram and Sarai? I thought it was Abraham and Sarah. When it was still Abram and Sarai, God spoke to Abram. He said, Abram, I need you to leave your family. Leave everything behind, and I want you to travel. I'll show you where to go. I mean, can you imagine? Okay, God, but where am I going? I'll show you. Well, what am I going to do when I get there? I'll show you. How will I know when I get there? I'll show you. That was the promise. And we read in the Bible that Abram obeyed, took his wife, took his belongings, possessions, left. He was a rich man, but he left what was there, the security. What was known, he left it, took it with him. And later, the Bible says that because of that obedience, because he followed God's word, Abram's name was changed. Now, originally, Abram's name meant great father or exalted father. But in Genesis 17, 4 through 5, says, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall you be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you 
a father of many nations. Adding two letters changed it from exalted father to father of many nations. The story goes on that God also changed the name of his wife. Sarai simply means princess. Taking off that I, putting on the H, made it possessive. My princess. So he made, God made Abram, an exalted father, to become the father of many nations and made Sarai from a princess to my princess. An identity change for both of them. An identity that they carried on for the, all of their lives. If we go back to the stories of Jacob, as he grew older, he fulfilled other meanings of his, of his name. Another uh, meaning of his name is supplanter, or one who replaces another. He always wanted to be the firstborn, to receive the, the blessing that came with it. And through trickery, he did just that. You may remember the stories of, of Jacob and Esau and the pot of porridge or pot of soup. Or Esau was a hunter and didn't have anything um, when he came back from his hunt. Jacob was a farmer, and he had some vegetables. Well, Esau, I can, I can give you some food, but hey, you got to give me your birthright. Later, we see Jacob going to Isaac. Now, Esau, when he was born, is very hairy. Jacob, not so much. Isaac, by the time he was uh, toward the end of his life, he lost most of his sight. He didn't know by sight who people were, but he knew Esau. Esau had hair. He knew Jacob. Jacob didn't. And Esau brought food to, to Isaac often from his hunts. And he loved the food. But to get the blessing, Jacob, with some help with his mom, he put fur over his arm, made some uh, food from some meat, brought it to his dad. And his dad's like, okay. Yep, I think so, but that doesn't sound like him, but I'm still going to bless him. And Isaac blessed Jacob as the firstborn, not Esau. We find years later that Jacob had gone away. He was in fear that Esau being upset, might try to kill him. But he felt led of God to go back home. He was afraid of his brother, but again, he needed to go back home. And Genesis 32 tells us what happened as he prepared for the meeting between him and his brother. And he arose that night and took two wives and two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford 
of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? Aren't names important? Jacob said, Jacob. Jacob said, heel catcher. Jacob said, supplanter. One who gets things by trickery. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. That night, Jacob went from heel catcher, from supplanter to Israel. He retains God. To God is upright. Names are important. Names give us identity. These changes show that a name is not just a label. I think it was Shakespeare that said, a rose by any other name, would it still smell? Yeah, but it's, I don't know if it would quite be as beautiful as a rose. When God changed the names, he did not just change the labels. He was not just calling, or he was not just saying, now I'm going to call you Abraham, or now I'm going to call you Israel. He said, your identity is now Abraham. Your identity is now Israel. He changed who they were. We can see the importance of a name. God changed men's and women's names and identities, or he changed their identities by changing their names. Names are not just important to us, but they are also important to God. One final name that I'd like to bring, that's the name of God. The name of God as scripture is given to us is something which is expressly precious. The name is important. So much so that when God was establishing Israel, the third commandment that he said you have to do or you can't do, don't take my name in vain. The name is important. The name of God is precious. Now, there's many things that, that in vain mean. A lot of times we think that using it as a swear word, that's using it in vain. Well, it is. Saying things in jest about God, taking his identity, his name, 
in vain, joking about his identity. I've heard some uh, pastors even call it blasphemy. His name is precious. And if you see in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament where it, his name is given and it says the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's a translation of Y-H-W-H. His name was so important that translators didn't want to write it down so that they could not be accused of taking his name in vain. But what does that mean, Y-H-W-H? Here's a question, pronounce it. Any linguists, those who are, you gotta pronounce it correctly. Gotta pronounce it right. Correct people in, in say virtue instead of virtue. Gotta pronounce it right. Pronounce Y-H-W-H. Good luck. You will have much difficulty pronouncing it. In some cases, not at all correct, but that's by purpose. God does not want his name pronounced in the Old Testament. It was precious. When we read the early chapters of the Bible, when God was setting apart the nation of Israel, we discovered that only once a year would his name be uttered, and only by one person. And that was by the high priest on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. On that day, the high priest went into the holiest of holies. And that was one of the most dangerous days for the high priest. Because if he walked in unworthy, if he walked in with any sin, if he walked in incorrectly, he would die. But he also had to walk in with the name of God on his lips. Now, we added two vowels to the name so that it would, would be pronounceable, Yahweh. But the fact of the matter remains, the name of God was supremely precious. God's encounters with Moses have as much to teach us about the precious nature of God as do any others. In Exodus 33, 18 through 23, he said, please show me your glory. God said in return, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim my name, proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will be, or I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face. No man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here's a place by me. 
and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be, while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass. Then I will take away my hand and show you my back, but my face shall not be seen. Moses is not confronted with the, by the glory because he cannot see the glory of God and live. It is a very interesting thing. Nobody can see God and live, but he said, I will make myself known to you. And he does that by his name. My name will be pronounced before you, is what he said. If we go to the next chapter, chapter 34, Starting with verse 5, it says, Now the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Just make sure, notice, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And the Lord passed before him and he proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but or by no means clearing the guilty, visiting iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. If you ever want to know what the proper response to hearing the name of God, to feeling the presence of God, it's to bow in reverence and worship. But in this, we need to notice that God says his name twice. It says, the Lord, the Lord, God, or Yahweh, Yahweh, Elohim. But that's not all he said. He gave his name. He pronounced it for Moses. And then he explained it. Merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness, and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, sin, not being easy on the guilty. This is the name of God. God reveals by his name all that he is and all that he does. Let's go back just a few years where he also explained to Moses his name. And that was at the encounter of the, the burning bush. The story whereby God reveals himself in the bush. Moses finds out that he's going to be going on a significant mission. He's going to the Pharaoh to say, let my people go. Now you have to remember where we are in time here. Moses has fled Egypt after murdering an Egyptian, being witnessed by a few Israelites. 
So Moses asked, what should I tell them your name is? I know they're going to ask. What should I tell them your name is? Exodus 3, 13. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, God, or the God of your fathers has sent me to you, they will say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said, This shall you say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial for all generations. But did you catch that? I am sent you. The Lord God of your fathers. The Yahweh Elohim of your fathers. The Yahweh Elohim of Abraham, of Jacob, of Isaac. I have sent you. In this, he is saying that Elohim, or Yahweh Elohim, has sent you, and this is my name forever. He is also saying that all the names that you've made for me are in this name. Elohim, yeah, I am. El Shaddai, the mighty God, yeah, I am. Yare Jairah, the provider, yeah, I am. Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals, yeah, I am. How about Yahweh Nisi, the Lord our banner, yeah, I am. Yahweh Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies, yeah, I am. Yahweh Shalom, the Lord of peace, yeah, I am. Yahweh said canoe, the Lord of righteousness? Yeah, I am. Look, how about Yahweh Shema? The Lord is there. Yeah, I am. Yahweh Sabbath, the Lord of hosts? Yeah, I am. What does it mean when he's using a verb tense for his name? Usually we think of a name being a noun in in language, but he's using a verb, and he's using a present tense verb. It means that by using the verb, God expresses the essence of his character by using this as his name. He reveals the fact that he is self-existent. He is self-sufficient. He is sovereign. He depends on no one and depends on nothing. Who else in all creation can take that as their name? 
Who else do you know? Who else is self-existent, self-fulfilled, in need of no one and in need of nothing, and altogether sovereign? The answer is, you don't know anyone, and neither do I, for there is no one else. But that's not the end of the story. Let's jump forward about 1,500 years to the times of Christ. You wonder why or what one of the big things that Christ got in trouble for in the religious sects of the time. This is one of the big ones. In John 8, 56 and 58, it says, Your father rejoiced when he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus had hid himself and went out of the temple. They heard Jesus say, before Abraham was, I am. And immediately understood, hey, that's the name that God gave to Moses of who he is. How can this man be saying that he is? They understood right away what he was saying. They understood that he was saying that, yeah, I am self-existent. I am self-sufficient. I am sovereign. I have no need of anyone. I have no need of anything. They understood it, but they rejected it. Which is a reminder of us in passing that the God that we worship, the God of Scripture, is not a God of some cosmic discovery. He is not a God of our own creation, but He is God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Christ, the Savior of the world. The I Am that provided the replacement sacrifice for Isaac to Abraham provided Himself as the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. The I am. Yeah, he was born of a virgin, lived among us. He was mocked, scorned. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The penalty of our sins were upon him. And yet he still bore the cross for us. He was that I am. The Jews couldn't handle it because the I am was back then. Should have been I was because that was back then. Jesus said, no, I am still. But we will, we will like those before Jesus, reject him. 
reject who he is. In the time of Moses, I am. In the time of Jesus, I am. Can I say in the time today, I am. He is perfect and powerful and praiseworthy. And all that is revealed in his name. Let me read that, the first verse for you again. Philippians 9, or Philippians 2 and 9. Therefore, God also exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. How many names would be above him then? None. What does every mean? It means every. It means all. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue, or every knee should bow of those in heaven and those in earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Can we all stand? He is the I am. But one thing that I pulled out of that verse a little bit, God exalted the name of Jesus over all other names. What was the name that God gave Moses? Yahweh. What was the name God gave Moses? I am. Over every name given, Jesus is exalted over. If we read that correctly, every name, every name, the name of Jesus is exalted over the name I am the name Yahweh. Can I go as far as to say the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost? Jesus, the name of Jesus, God has exalted over all names, every name. We go before a God by his name, Jesus. We know that we have salvation. One, because his name means salvation. His name is exalted. We have that salvation in the name of Jesus. Can we just praise him for that name that he has given us? Lord, we thank you, God, for... Lord Jesus, for the name, for the name, for the name, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These names say everything about who Jesus is and all that Jesus does. And as Isaiah wrote, his name is wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Can I say this morning, if you have a need, he is the provider. If you have a sickness, he is the healer. If you have trouble, he is peace and the prince of peace. 
Will we, in our time of need, go to the great I am? Today, I hope that this has blessed somebody, that it has spoken to your heart. I know at times I feel that I don't give justice to the name of Jesus. I don't give justice to what he has done for me because he is my all in all. He saved me and continues to save me and will save me. He's provided for me. He continues to provide for me. He will provide for me. Whether I look at the past, I look at the present, I look at the future, I know I am is there. I know Jesus is there. In dismissal, can we pray? Oh, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for all that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for the names, for the, the types, Lord Jesus, that you have given us. But, Lord, we thank you most for the name of Jesus. Lord, for your, for your blood on the cross, Lord, that you died for us, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Lord Jesus, that I may be saved. Lord, that you look through time, saw me, that I may be saved. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I want to open the altar. If it's been a while since you've exalted that name, now would be a good time. If you've never really understood the name of Jesus coming before him and exalting his name will give you sight to see his name, to see who he is, to see who he is, what he does, to see his power. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, God, you are mighty and wonderful. Holy are you, Lord. Holy are you, Lord. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. You know this, this God I am? He's not only up there, but he came to this earth, fulfilled every prophecy of the Messiah that was spoken but he robed himself in flesh and gave himself as a sacrifice on an old rugged cross. But again, it doesn't stop there. Three days, he rose. He defied hell. He defied death. The grave, where is your sting? And then he poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost. The great I am gave us a name, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord.
praise the name above all names the one who reigns forever still the same praise that name jesus name above all names the one who reigns forever still the same we will praise that
beautiful name it is. Hallelujah. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, our King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful name. I'm so thankful to come this morning to be a part of a family that knows the name, that proclaims the name, that lives in the name. I hope something today, spoken, sung, has entered into your heart. And we, again, welcome our visitors. Our deepest prayer is that God be with you, that he keep you. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed.